Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Some who see the beast not as a man, but as a government, and see this as a revival of the Roman Empire, fulfilling Daniel 7. In this perspective, the Roman Empire has been dead, but will again be revived, and the world will marvel. Yet the most natural way to understand John's word in Revelation 13 makes us believe that he speaks of a man who will be mortally wounded and then healed. The man will lead the revived Roman Empire and his personality will dominate it. Yet he and the empire are not exactly the same. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. So let's go ahead and open up to the Word of God. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 13, and we're going to be, last week we looked at chapter 13. We didn't get very far. This is a a pivotal chapter in the Bible. Let's read it again. Just the first 10 verses. Next week we're going to be looking at the false prophet. Isn't that a wonderful topic? What did you guys discuss today? We talked about the false prophet. Isn't that wonderful? Well, this morning we're going to be talking about the beast or the Antichrist. Two characters in the Bible that there is uh, actually quite a bit about the Antichrist, not so much about the false prophet, but this is a figure in history that is going to uh, bring about the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. And it's because of his shenanigans and his taking over world dominance and his desire to be worshipped. And God is going to allow him a season to get what he wants. Although the world won't be completely in agreement with him, he'll have battles already up to the very end. And then frustrated and angry, the Lord is going to return and take over. And we will come back with him on white horses. I love that. But this character in history is diabolical. This character is malevolent. This character is one who's about to show up on the scene. In fact, as soon as the church is removed, it tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that 
when we are removed from this earth, when the restrainer is done restraining and the Spirit of God is, uh, we are taken up, that he will be revealed at that time. So it, there's no use in trying to figure out who he is. We know at the end of this chapter there is a, a really wonderful thing. It says you know, that he's a, his, his number is 666, the, the number of a man or the number of his name. And people throughout you know, decades, or actually millennia, or maybe not millennia, maybe a couple, uh, have tried to figure out who this is, who this character is. There's no sense in worrying about who he is because you're not going to figure it out because he's not going to be revealed until we're, we're out of here. And it has to be that way. And so let's read this. First ten verses. John said, Then he, speaking of the dragon, stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his horns... Ten crowns, and on his head, heads, a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And if anyone has ears, has an ear to hear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Let's go back to verse 1. Last week we talked about this, this beast from the sea, and we know that this is uh, the revived Roman Empire. The Roman Empire really dissolved or really fell in 476 AD, and uh, since then. It's been very dormant. It's been laying dormant for a time yet future to us after the church is removed. Uh, Daniel, if you remember, when we were together last week in Daniel chapter 2, God had given Nebuchadnezzar, actually, a vision of a statue. And that statue had a head of gold, which symbolized Babylon, amidst uh, arms and a chest of uh, silver, which is Persia, uh, thighs of brass, which is the Greek uh, under Alexander the Great, and then the legs of, of iron signified Rome, and then we had the iron mixed with clay, which is the ten toes of the two feet, speaking of these ten horns that we're going to be speaking to, the ten toes and the ten horns, they mean the same thing. It's a revived Roman Empire that hasn't yet come upon the scene. And so we looked at that, and we looked at Daniel chapter 7, 1 through 8. And we looked at Daniel chapter 7, 19 through 27. And Daniel 7 and Revelation 7 actually give us a lot of clues of who these are. Daniel 7 gives us more clear information of who the ten horns are, but doesn't really tell us much about the seven heads. But Revelation chapter 17, and we will be getting there in a, a month or so or two, <laughs> that tells us more about not only the ten horns, but it identifies the seven heads. 
And these seven heads, we defined them last week by looking at those scriptures. These seven heads are seven hills or seven mountains upon which the woman sets. The woman, who we'll find out later when we get into the book of Revelation, is an apostate religion. The woman is a, a harlot, the Bible calls her, a prostitute, because she has prostituted herself with the kings of the earth. And it is an apostate religion, a religion that accepts everything. Everything is okay. As long as you believe in something, believe in yourself. Believe in Allah. Believe in Buddha. Believe in David Koresh. Believe in whoever. (laughs) Anything goes. And here we are together embracing this one great thing. That is the apostate religion. And do you know the remnants of it, the the beginnings of it, are already here. They've been going, oh, it's going so well. It's going so well. That's why this church is so different than some churches, not all churches, certainly. We're not the only ones. But may we teach the word of God and be in it. That that is the reason we're here, is to be built up in the word of God, to worship together, to fellowship together, to pray together, that we might be built up, that our faith might be built up. But Revelation... Uh, seven tells, uh, 17 excuse me, tells us that these seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So there is a city yet in the future that is going to be where the apostate religion is going to be uh, headquartered. And we believe that it's probably going to be either Babylon or more than likely Rome. We don't really have time to go in this today. We'll look at it when we get to 17 and 18 in those two chapters. But there is plenty to divulge about the apostate church, and where the church in Rome right now is going. Yes, the Roman Catholic Church. They are embracing many things. The popes have been embracing many things. Even going so far as to say that Jesus is not the only way. And that ought to shock you. For any Catholic in this country to hear those words, they should be running out in droves. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. But they teach a lot of other things too. And they should be ashamed of themselves. God is going to hold them accountable. But I believe, I believe that that is going to be the, the center of apostate religion. And it's going to encompass Buddhism, Hinduism, all the Eastern religions. Everything's going to be together. And the Antichrist is going to be, so, be uh, subjected, to, in a sense, to it for a season He's going to allow that to happen until he turns on her, this apostate religion. We'll look at that later. But it also uh, tells us that these seven kings are also, uh, or these uh, seven horns, or seven, um, seven heads, excuse me, are seven kings. And some have looked at these seven heads as representing world empires, specifically Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. And then finally, this revived Roman Empire. It could be. It could be. In fact, in Revelation 17, it says this. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. And one is. And the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. There's a lot of mystery about these seven kings. And as much as I have looked into this, uh, there's not a real clear answer. 
We just have to take it that it's seven kings. Maybe it's the seven kings that are going to be a part of this revived Roman Empire initially, because we know that that is probably the truth. And the Antichrist, who is not going to be called the Antichrist, he's just going to be called a man. He's going to be a man with a lot of power, a lot of wisdom. He's going to be empowered by Satan himself. And let me tell you, you've never seen anybody empowered by the devil himself. And you may be shocked to learn and see that he's not going to be foaming at the mouth and spitting. You may be shocked to know that he's not going to be writhing on the ground being possessed by the devil. No, the devil, he can take over a person and they can be the most influential, most charismatic leader the world has ever seen. And I believe that's the way it's going to be. In Revelation 12, we looked at, uh, we looked at the week before last. It said, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. In Revelation 17, we just read it, that this, uh, this woman sitting on a scarlet beast's head was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. In Revelation 17, we see the same thing. We hear about the seven heads and the ten horns. And it tells us the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Also seven kings, five had fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. The ten horns are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. We believe that's going to be at the very end or, or somewhere um, uh, uh, at some point when he has this Roman Empire, perhaps, perhaps these seven kings... There's going to be another ten that are going to have authority for one hour, and they are going to give or secede their power and authority to the Antichrist. It's interesting that on September 13, 1973, there's an organization called the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome. They divided the world up into ten different kingdoms, and they actually removed the word kingdoms on purpose, because they didn't want their, uh, their true colors to, to, to be shown. But they divided up the world into ten different kingdoms, and then the United Nations came along and basically codified it and established the idea. And these are the ten kingdoms that the Club of Rome had adopted. And also, the, uh, we look at this other map, and we can see the United Nations uh, agreed with that, and so the world is divided up into these ten different regions. Could it be that at the at the end, when the Antichrist comes to power, these ten kings, these ten kingdoms, will yield their power to one? And in Eastern Europe or Western Europe, where the Antichrist will be seated, perhaps there'll be seven kings in seven countries. Perhaps Germany. Perhaps certainly Italy. France, England, and a few others, the most influential, perhaps they are going to be with him, and then these other ten kingdoms are going to yield their power. It's just a a possibility, but I think it's interesting that there is already in in on, in the plans and have been for decades now this this map of ten regions in the world. Notice in verse 2 of our text this morning, it says, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So this beast, he's, a, he's not only a, uh, a conglomerate of nations over, overseeing a group of, uh, of the world, really, but he's also a man. He's a man, but he also is 
over many, many countries. And notice the animals that are listed here. It lists a leopard, and then a bear, and then finally a lion. The animals here are in a certain order on purpose. Because if you remember, when we looked at Daniel chapter 7, Daniel uh, revealed to us this very same thing, that the lion was Babylon, that the bear was Medo and Persia, the Medes and the Persians, and that the leopard was the kingdom of Greece under Alexander the Great. But now, as John is portraying this, he's looking at it in reverse order. So the very first one that we see in that list there, we, we, we see the, the leopard, because that was the last kingdom. And then, going back further than that, the bear, signifying Medo-Persia, and finally the lion, Rome. So he just reverses the order based on the chronology of when those kingdoms came. And notice this beast had likenesses of these four different empires. You know, they each had characteristics. One of the characteristics of the Greek empire was the swiftness in which they took over Babylon, over the Medes and the Persians, who had conquered Babylon and, 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 um, and Nebuchadnezzar. With speed and great accuracy, pinpoint and just overwhelm them so quickly. And, and the others have characteristics too, but this one beast, this final beast that's going to come on the scene, this fourth beast that is yet to come, is going to have likenesses of all those together. Think of it as a, a, a conglomerate of those beasts all in one, this fearsome beast. In fact, Daniel just said, this thing is ferocious. It's just stamping its feet, mashing to residue everything that's in its way. And he makes it very clear that there's two different waves to this. The Roman Empire is already gone, but the remnants are already still in Europe. And they're just waiting, dormant, waiting, dormant, until the time comes. The church is removed, and this man of sin raises up. He's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to start right there. And I believe he's going to... Uh, start in Rome. In verse 3 it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And notice, all the world marveled and they followed the beast. Some believe that this one world ruler will have an assassination attempt uh, upon him that's going to take his life, and that he's going to physically die, and he's going to go to hell. He's going to go to the abyss. And from there, Satan is going to be allowed to, to bring this demon from the abyss, and he's going to come up and he's going to resurrect this man whose body will still be laying somewhere, and he's going to inhabit him. He's going to physically come into him, counterfeiting certainly the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the things about the Antichrist is he is all about counterfeiting. There's nothing new. There's nothing original with him. The best way he can deceive people is to put himself in place of Christ. If he was outright opposing him, everyone would notice who he was and be skeptical. But no, he takes the place of. And we looked at the satanic trinity last week. The beast, or the, the, um, the dragon, the devil himself, and then the beast, the Antichrist, and then finally the false prophet. Each one of these function in part like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And their worship is very similar too. The false prophet we'll see next week gives glory to the beast, and the beast gives glory to the dragon. It's the same thing with the Spirit of God and Jesus. Jesus always gave glory to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is to bring us to worship Jesus. 
And so there's nothing new here. It's just a counterfeit. And it's going to be a really good counterfeit. And the world is going to be amazed. Because guess what, folks? You and I read the Bible, but there is a vast majority of people out there that have never read the Scripture at all. They don't even care. They don't even want it. And so when these things come, they're going to be completely blindsided. Completely blindsided. And that's why our mandate is to go out. What was the very last thing Jesus said to us? Go and make disciples in all nations. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I will be with you always. And see, those marching orders have never changed. We still need to be doing that. But this Antichrist will be indwelt by the devil himself, or at least some very strong, very important demon in the underworld. Some believe that this is that this uh, this wound and this beast that's wounded is is the res- the resurrection of the Roman Empire. It could be, but I think it speaks very clearly that it is a person. It's a very person. That's also true, by the way, because it's going to be resurrected. So it could mean that, but I think it means more than that. And still others believe that there will be a man who has already died that Satan will be allowed to resurrect, counterfeiting the true resurrection. And can Satan do this? Can he do this? God can allow him to do this if he so chooses. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says in verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have been partaker of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, speaking of Jesus, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. The devil has the power of death. He has the power of death. And I'm sure God is not going to be the one that's going to resurrect this one, but he may allow this one to be resurrected. He certainly is going to at least allow it because it's going to happen. Is it possible for Satan to resurrect? Is it possible that he would resurrect Judas Iscariot? Wouldn't that be interesting? Judas Iscariot. The Antichrist and Judas were both called the son of perdition. This is just a, a possibility, okay? This is not a thus saith the Lord by any means. But it is interesting that the son of perdition, that certainly the Antichrist is called that, and so was Judas. Jesus also called him a devil in John chapter 60, verse 70. What did he say? Jesus said, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? Diabolos? One of you is a devil. That's what he said. And then Luke 22, verse 3, then Satan entered Judas. Notice, Satan entered Judas. It's never happened before. Satan inhabiting a person. Demons, yes, demons have inhabited people. They've been possessed by the devil. But Satan himself? Oh, talk about a great deceiver. And one that will just dazzle your socks off. If he were to come, we would all be surprised. We'd be like dropping our jaws. Ladies, he'd probably be handsome. He would be a statesman. He would speak eloquently. He would be educated. He would look great. He would sound great. It would even feel great being around him for a season till he is, till his cover is blown. In John chapter 13, at the Last Supper, it says, Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Speaking of Judas, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. So could it be, it could be, it could be that it's, it's a man that's going to be alive soon after the church is removed. He's going to be an adult. He could die. He could be 
that Satan could enter him, or it could be somebody else in history that has died already that God is going to allow him to be resurrected with 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 the very devil himself operating the man. What about Antiochus Epiphanes during the second century? He was a great... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.